Welcome to At the Elephants. I'm your host, Rob Morris, and I'm very excited to have you back with us. As many of you know, the Apple keynote took place this week in which they unveiled the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Being a bit of a tech appreciado, I haven't missed an Apple keynote in quite a number of years, certainly since before Tim Cook took over. And this year, however, I had something of a revelation. The way I see it, you can only fall in one of two categories. Either you're playing the game and your life is all over Facebook and or Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, Tinder, Grindr, Spanker, Snapchat, Venmo, AOL, ICQ, MySpace, Friendster, Bank of America, or you're living off the grid in a bunker underground where at the very least your Duck Dynasty and Pawn Stars viewing habits are being shared with Time Warner Cable. For years, I've been a perpetrator of the subconscious hypocrisy of thinking that I could fall on some sort of spectrum between these two worlds. Oh, I'll only let this app or that app have my info. I'll use my thumbprint to pay for stuff because that's more secure. Well, the truth is, Mr. Cook and his pals in Cupertino this past week unknowingly communicated to me how foolish this was. There is no middle ground. I'm playing this game for better or for worse, so what does this mean about my choice? It means that deep down in my heart of hearts, I do not actually believe that this will all lead to Big Brother slapping a barcode on my neck and forcing me to stand in DMV-like processing lines for my breakfast each day. I can't believe in that as a possibility or I wouldn't have the capacity to make status updates. When they come to put my shot collar on, I'll have to remember that I chose to be naive over being paranoid. And I think I'm okay with that. Speaking of living off the grid and shot collars, let's talk to Robert Besseda. The Besseda Chronicles Part 1. Huntsville, Texas is famous mostly for being home to the largest prison facility in the Lone Star State. It will also go down in history as the town that let loose Robert Maitland Besseda unto the world. Former assistant dean of drama for two decades, this dear friend of mine should be no stranger to our listeners. In case you're quite that unfortunate, here's a little backstory. <laughs> That's good. So your mom was uh, staying at home? Or? My mom was not a stay-at-home mom. She worked for my dad. Oh, great. Uh, she was the accountant and bookkeeper. Uh, at the Western Auto, a Western Auto store sells everything: right. uh, refrigerators, ovens, bicycles, tires, telephones, radios. Yeah, telephones, radios, shotguns, shotgun shells, fishing equipment. It was Walmart before Walmart. Yeah, yeah, and it's a place just about everybody in town had to go to once a week or so. Making and your it, family name a little popular in that way. Yeah, yeah, Buster R. L. Buster Besseda. And my father's nickname is Buster because he was a center on the football team at Sam Houston, which Got is it. where he met my mom. And he was thick. He had his his neck was nineteen inch neck and oh very broad God. shoulders and calves. A tank of a and man. he was just, yeah. Did he uh, want you to play football at all? Oh yeah, he did. And I didn't want to. And uh, I didn't. I never really enjoyed sports. Right. I never liked competing. I liked playing softball. 
Well, it just, nobody took it that seriously. Right. You know, you you were just playing. Right. You know, it, uh, you yeah. know, you know, you, you don't get really pissed off and angry about losing a softball game. That's probably why it's the and you don't have your parents sport. out there going yeah 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 right. yeah. <laughs> now I did love bowling and I was a good bowler. Yeah. Yeah. You still bowl? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved it, and then I. I was good at it. Yeah. I have no real technique. I throw a very straight ball. I I don't spin or any of those kinds of things. Right. And got when, a nice release. Yeah. And when I was in uh, uh, an actor at the Oslo Theater in Sarasota, I was mm -hmm. there for uh, a member of their company for two years in the late seventies. We would bowl every Monday night. We'd get drunk. No, we'd get stoned, and then we'd go to the bowling alley. And the rule was you had to drink a beer per game. We, we bowled three games. My second game was always my best. By the time we got to my third game, I was pretty f***ed up. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of this is that is it was at the Oslo in Sarasota where I bowled my top score, which was 240. No way. I bowled six strikes in a row. 240 is a hell of a bowling score. Yeah. I have the I have it. For anyone listening who doesn't know, that's that's quite yeah. good. Yeah. So um so you didn't do the football. The I baseball. was in the band. I played the trombone. I played through my junior year okay. of high. But I had gotten so involved with the theater and stuff that I wanted to spend more time doing that. Right. And you know, we you know, one act competition. Yeah. So that was going on then. It was a big deal back then. Wow. Yeah, uh, cuz that's a... I mean, it wasn't quite the blood sport it has right. become. It's it's interesting too because when you get to NCSA and you meet other people from Texas, that's that's the thing that you know you can count on to relate to them <laughs> theater-wise. And when I was a freshman, they did The Apollo of Belac which is a one act play by Giraudoux, the French playwright. Uh, uh, and uh, I auditioned for it, and I got cast in the lead, Apollo. Freshman year? Freshman year. Wow. And this was a, this was a big deal. Sure. And I think some of the upperclassmen were not happy If about a freshman it. had gotten the lead my senior year at one act, I would have had some questions too. And we, we <laughs> went to the... Is it the regionals? Is that where you go to first? District, District. was where we went, we went first. Went to district. It was exhilarating. I mean, I remember how th exciting it was. Oh, it's incredible. And, and I remember how frightening it was too. Uh, the stakes were ve personally very high. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, and I won. Did they have best supporting actor? All-star cast is all, what we I won all-star. And then my junior and senior one year, I won best actor in nice. both. Well, <laughs> well, we didn't even have a drama teacher. Right. The, uh, our plays were all were directed by uh, uh, either an English teacher or a mm -hmm. history teacher. And is that, That's pretty common for then? Yeah, I think so. And I'm not even sure if we would have gone to these contests if I hadn't have really pushed it. Um, so how do you get from, um, so you're, you're in a smaller town in Texas that refuses to be 12,000 people <laughs> and you have two best actor awards. So how do you, how do you end up at Juilliard?
Stay tuned to ATE for the continuing stories of Robert Besseda. It's Fraser, not Fraser. Leaving school and adjusting to anything else is a unique challenge. Alexander M. Roth is a graduate of the School of Filmmaking from 2011. Here's Mr. Roth on his first semester out of class. I, I, when I graduated, I didn't know which city I was going to end up in, uh, New York or L.A. I then took the June off. I did nothing in June. I sat like a couch potato and did nothing. It was fantastic. It was one of the, uh, to tell you the truth, decompressing for those first three months was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Putting off moving out? Yeah. Because, you know, when you're at School of the Arts, I always describe School of the Arts as like a, um, a high-speed Japanese bullet train. And at the beginning of every year, you're standing on a bridge and you have to jump on this train. So every single time you jump on, it's still nasty. The splat that you make on the train is a nasty splat. And uh, it hurts, but then you, get, then you get up to the speed of the bullet train and then you're good to go. Then once the school year ends, you kind of just get thrown off because you you operate at such a speed right. and at such an intensity level that you get used to that being your life. And then yeah. um, summer comes and you're thrown off the train and then you go back to it. You have a splat again and then you get back up to that speed. You keep going. You're thrown off again. And it's this cycle. Right. Well, once you graduate uh, and if you make it through to graduation... You get thrown off, and then I found my body, my psyche, my mental awareness, my emotional capacity was waiting for that to happen again. That intensity level, that speed, almost craving it. Just hanging out at the station waiting for the next train to come by. Yeah, and I knew it wasn't coming. Yeah, so I realized that I can't even pretend, ever say to myself, I have to go back to that station. Um, I know that I, when I graduated, that experience was over. There may be experiences later in life that mm-hmm. have that same kind of speed, but I don't think so. It won't be the same kind of um, situation with all of these elements in one pot. But you know, to expand on your train analogy more, because I like it, if you keep walking down the tracks in the direction that you were headed, you keep walking down the tracks, the tracks being like the work. Other trains come by. They may not oh, be absolutely. bullet trains. And what I mean and what I mean by like I'm so fascinated by the way you put it, it's like the information that you have now that you didn't have before is that if a bullet train comes by, you can jump and splat and live. Yeah. And you didn't know that. Yeah. So t- took a break. Um, in July, I went out for interviews in Los Angeles. And then I, I did a week in Los Angeles, and then I did a week in New York. Did the interviews, and I decided that I was going to move to New York while I was in Los Angeles. I just just knew. Yeah. Um, no question about it. Uh, got to New York, had great interviews, um, met with some wonderful people. and What was uh, the first job that you got? The first thing I did in New York was, well, the first two things. They happened simultaneously. I was going to the New York Film Festival watching a bunch of movies. Uh, it was seeing, you know, uh, New York collects the best movies from Sundance, Berlin, um, South by Southwest, Cannes, um, Telluride, Toronto, etc. Right. Uh, Venice. Uh, and they... Because it's after all of them. It's the last major festival of the year. Some right. people will argue that AFI is, 
so I did that, but my first job was, um, I was Brendan Fraser's assistant and driver. Nice. Um, I got a, I got the job on a Monday. I picked up the car on Tuesday, and I picked up Brendan Fraser, uh, uh, Fraser uh, on Wednesday. I was about Wednesday. to ask about that. Cause so Fraser is like Fraser the show Fraser. Right, not Fraser Crane. Not Fraser Crane, Brendan but Fraser. Fraser. When, so I picked him up at the Trump Soho, and at 5 a.m. in the morning. Tall uh, guy. Tall guy. Uh, and uh, comes down. And I say, hello, uh, Mr. Fraser. I probably said Fraser. Uh, I didn't know it was Fraser until we started chatting. And I said, so uh, good morning, Mr. Fraser. And uh, he goes, if you ever call me that again, I'll kill you. He said Uh, that? In probably a nicer way than that, but pretty much. You think he'd be better at dealing with it by now? No, he goes... I called him and he goes... Oh, because of Mr.? Yeah. And so he goes, call me Brendan. And I was like... Brendan, good morning. <laughs> and he sat in the front seat with me. And then I drove him pretty much for the next six weeks. Um, wow. Nice. We spent anywhere from an hour. We were shooting on Staten Island um, most uh, all the time, actually. So um, depending on the day and depending on where in Staten Island, depending on traffic, we were in the car with one another from an hour to two hours every day. Wow. So every morning he would come down with the New York Times. Um, so he was sitting up front with me. Not much of a talker in the morning, um, but would then start talking. Like it, the first five minutes were hard, and then he would, you know, start talking. He's, he's very, very fast and uh, very bright. And uh, I found um, that he could process information at a speed that I had, I had never encountered the speed at which he processes information and that he can then take this information and then link it together with other information and making jokes and then, and, right. you know, um, and rattling off things. And it's hilarious. And so, you know, I'm driving, right? depending on the time of day, you know, there would be moments when I'm, you know, we're going down towards Staten Island and I'm like, Brendan, you can't make me laugh this hard. Like, like you really just can't. Right, because it's I'm driving you, like yeah. please, like, it's dangerous it's for dangerous. you to be so entertaining right now. Yeah, <laughs> and that was that was very that was a really great, you know, the mornings were great. Um, you guys still in touch? Yeah, yeah, every once in a while, yeah. That's awesome. Um, that was that was a blast. Shoot, you got me on this one. I sleep with my lights on, blink. It shouldn't come undone. Booyah, non-drama guest on the show. Nailed it. Disney up the girl. So you're on the bullet train and you survive the splat cycle. What have you come to expect about the final destination? Well, whatever you do, don't compare yourself to Elizabeth Lale. Sometimes we are flung from one train to the next just when we thought we'd reach off-peak hours. Sometimes, and very rarely in this host's mind, wonderful things happen to wonderful people. In this case, 
Elizabeth was flung directly from the hurtling locomotive of NCSA as it slammed into graduation into the soft, doughy arms of the Disney universe when she was cast as the first live-action imagining of Anna from Disney's Frozen. A Frozen story arc will be featured on the upcoming fourth season of Once Upon a Time on ABC, assuring that Elizabeth will be princess for more than a day. Ms. Leo was born in Texas, but raised in Asheboro, North Carolina. From a very young age, she wanted two things above most else, to attend NCSA for drama and to be a Disney princess. She was granted the first wish twice. She attended the high school drama program as well, and now she's managed the other. You know, I'll just let her tell you about it. So, uh, you got your wish twice. Mm-hmm. That's so true. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, now you're a Disney princess, is that right? Am I, am I phrasing that correctly? That's absolutely right. And that's another wish I had. So, the universe, you know, gives you what you want in mysterious ways. That's right. That, <laughs> that absolutely seems to be the case. And, uh... <laughs> How much do you think it's, uh, you know, what, do you, what is your feeling on the whole luck versus hard work thing? I think everybody agrees it takes a little bit of both, but mm-hmm. as someone who seems to uh, have a lot of both, uh, how do you feel about that? I think that, um, you know, I feel like it's not so much luck as something inside of you this is going to get a little like hokey pokey Um, that's okay you're uh you're a disney (laughs) girl now (laughs) so well here i'll start with this first off i think that um the hard work is definitely like 80 percent of it at least and i think you'd be surprised what i'm learning in this business is you'd be surprised how people aren't working very hard so when you go the extra mile people are really shocked and drawn to you and um but for me it feels totally normal like absolutely you would do that work but not everyone does that work so i definitely think that you know preparation and hard work is huge and then I think the luck aspect is something inside of you that is willing to be open. So um, when I was auditioning for this particular part, I could feel that it was special. And I think because my heart was open to it and I really um, allowed myself to connect to it in a deeper personal way. And I think that that maybe sparks luck is that if your heart is open to it um, and you're doing the work, then there's like these cosmos that will come together in just the right way that will recognize that. Well, and it doesn't hurt that you look just like her. Right. But, you know, I didn't think that. Like, and how weird is that? Because, you know, okay, and I have to, okay, I have to get this out of the way and admit that I've not seen the movie. Oh my gosh, you have to watch it. <laughs> I know, and I know, and I, I thought about it like two days ago. I was like, oh man, I have not left myself a lot of time to commit to seeing that movie because I haven't seen that movie yet. Um, I oh. did read a bunch about the show and uh, about uh, the the movie and the ideas behind Like I get an, I got a great idea so that I could talk to you, but, yeah. um, but I haven't seen it. And so when I saw on, I don't know what, Facebook or whatever it was, 
they did the like side by side with your headshot and the picture of her, like you didn't take that headshot meaning for it to look <laughs> I like know. that picture, but it certainly looked like you did. <laughs> it looks so like you went out and were like, I'm getting that part. And you went and got ahead and you're like, no, tilt it exactly the right way and make sure my eyes are the right color. And I was like, I've not seen this movie. But if I had, I wonder if I had no. I would have. I wonder if I would have looked at that movie and thought, oh, you know what? That kind of looks like a little round-headed <laughs> Elizabeth Lail. Well, you know, it's funny because I, when I saw that movie for the first time, I thought that I was much more of an Elsa. Yeah, and I feel like if we were doing the play at school, that I would have been in the Elsa category as opposed to the Anna category. Um, but of course, the more and more I work on Anna, I'm like, oh, yes, of course this was for me. <laughs> yeah. And the casting pool is very different. Once you're out of school, it's, um, I feel like the roles kind of open up more because you're not having to like meet needs of a, a whole class. You're all of a sudden in the whole world and you'd be surprised what you could play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think, um, what do you think uh, this is going to mean for you uh, as far as work from now on? Do you think this is like you're going to, you have a type now and you're, you're, you're stuck in any way? How do you feel about that? I, you know, it's, for me, it's been a huge, um, learning experience so it's been super educational and I, I'm hoping that I am soaking in as much information as possible so for the next job it will just help me that much more and I think I definitely think my name will be a little bit more well known in some kind of strange way oh no in a very regular way I mean you're yeah. you're gonna yeah, you're going to be a name for sure. There's no doubt about that. So that's something strange. I, and I'm not finding yet that I'm auditioning for roles just like this. Like I said, I would have never pictured myself as this before I started working on it. So I, I audition for all kinds of things. And I, I'd hope I really, you know, I want to do a movie and I, I really want to be in a play. You, you know, I, I want to keep doing different things. So anything that's challenging. So that would be my hope is to continue to do all kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think you've got a much better chance of doing something like that now. Mm-hmm. Well, now they have something to reference um, beyond a, a student film, which is really, really nice. It's good to have. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, anything that you go to after this is, I mean... Anything they do to promote that next thing is going to include that line that's, you know, this is Elizabeth Lale from Once Upon a Time, and, uh, you know, that's that's going to be with you for a while, and, and in a good way. Right, right. I'm not, um, I'm, I don't think I'm afraid of being pigeonholed in any way of a Disney princess. I wouldn't be. You're very, you're so very talented. I really, and I'm not just saying that to be nice, uh, but I, I'm also saying it to be nice, but I don't, I'm not saying it only to be nice, because... 
I, I only ask, I only have the security to ask you a question like that because I don't think that's going to happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, if I really thought that there was a chance of that taking place, then I probably wouldn't be so bold as to say, like, yes, yeah, so you think you're stuck? Because <laughs> you're not. I, yeah. I, I don't think so. I And I feel like this character is, um, she is so much more than a Disney princess. So there are a lot of complexities and layers to her though I don't I don't feel stuck in that kind of um princess vein but I'm very happy to get to play one. Oh yeah for <laughs> sure I mean it it's the equivalent of you know uh Donald Glover just got the Spider-Man thing I don't know if you saw this the guy from Community uh he's also Childish Gambino he uh he just got to like voice the new animated Spider-Man character on a TV show and for him, it's just like, he's a huge Spider-Man fan. He's been Spider-Man fan his whole life. And now he gets to be Spider-Man. You know, even if it's not in the movie, and even if you're not the voice of somebody in Frozen 2, the movie, you're still playing her in live action right, right. on television. So you're still part of, you're, you're her now. Do you feel like you've been welcomed into the like Disney family in any way? Absolutely. I definitely feel very welcomed. I, I'm really lucky because Everyone I've worked with so far who's involved with Once Upon a Time is, is just like the nicest, um, most giving, caring people. So I definitely feel a part of the Frozen legacy, which is super cool because I fell in love with the movie the moment I saw it. And it is like a dream come true. I've always said I wanted to be a Disney princess. And like you said, even though I'm, I'm not voicing a character in an actual Disney movie, it's like the universe has given me it in a way I could have never imagined. Do not miss the premiere of season four of Once Upon a Time, Sunday, September 28th on ABC at 8, 7 central. I'm sure some of you are wondering why the UNCSA police car was featured in the graphic for this episode. I'm gonna tell you why right now. I'm opening at the elephants up in a whole new way to everybody who engages with the program. I wanna hear from you. I wanna know your comments. I wanna know your opinions. Positive, negative, you know what? I can take it, not worried about it. One of the ways in which I'll be doing this is with a brand new segment I'm calling Back Talk. I'm opening up the comments on the Facebook page for At The Elephants. I want you guys to hit up the Facebook page and leave your comments on this week's subject. And then in two weeks, I'm going to come back on. We're going to talk about what you guys said and share some of those views. And keep in mind, it is public. So you guessed it, this week's subject is UNCSA Campus Police. Now, I know this is a hot subject. It's why I picked it. They have a new facility open this year. How do you feel about that? We need the new facility. What are they doing over there? So go on the Facebook page and share a story. Leave a comment. Tell me what you think of the new building. Tell me what you think of those Dodge Chargers. Tell me if you think they're doing a good job. Tell me if you think they're doing a bad job. Coming soon to At The Elephants, Bandits on the Run featuring Sydney Shepard and Regina Strayhorn, a band based in New York City is gonna be coming in via satellite, really it's via internet, and doing an exclusive song with us and also having an interview. I'm very excited to have them on in a few weeks. In the meantime, our musical guest this week is Sydney Shepard. I'm gonna be playing a song off her album, Gypsy Life, an EP that you can find on iTunes. And by can find on iTunes, I mean, please go buy it as soon as this is over. This song is called Sunlight. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure by now you know by that sound that that's our show, folks. Thank you so much for listening, and please get in touch on the Facebook page and let me know your thoughts about the campus police, the most poignant of which will be shared on our next episode of At the Elephants. Peace be with you, and also with you. So I've been reading about nameless things, don't ask me what they are. Nietzsche, Dirk, Zara, the smoke, boy, you have done it wrong.